This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 4, Technology. Music by Ben Prunty. Featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Welcome back to episode four. Uh, today we're going to take a little bit more of a singular look at just one strategy card. We've been covering two per episode, but today's topic is so big, we just need to dedicate the whole day to it. And that topic is technology. Hey, I'm Hunter. <laughs> yes, hi. Introductions. I'm Matt. And today we're talking about technology. And there's a lot of ways in which uh, Twilight Imperium 4 has completely revamped the way that technology works. Uh, let's start with just the the basics of what the strategy card says and mm-hmm. does. Technology is the seventh uh, strategy card, and it is you can research. If you are the primary ability, you can research one technology, and then you can spend six resources to research one more technology. Uh, and then the secondary is to spend one token from your strategy pool and four resources to research one technology. Biggest thing to note is just they're making tech cheaper. Tech's cheaper. Tech keeps getting cheaper. In base game TI3, it was eight. In TI3 uh, expansion uh, cards, it was six, and now they're making it four. So they just keep discounting the cost of tech. They just really, really... There's a weird focus of they clearly want people to get tech. Yes, but at the same time, though, it's command counters yep. are in less supply. So yes. in some ways, it, it maybe is more expensive. It's true. They're, they're counteracting you still have to spend two resources. That one strategy, yeah. and the, that strategy is worth more now. Not yeah. a whole lot more, but we've covered this. Maybe before. two resources worth. Yeah. Um, so let's talk more specifically about the ways tech is different, because just these costs is clearly not the the big big difference. They have completely reworked the tech tree, which in TI three is this god awful mess of a thing. You have to pull out the rule book every time you want to buy tech, or you have to like read through all these cards and figure out what prerequisites are what, and it's just a mess. Um, it's something that is so incredibly difficult to play with new players with because mm-hmm. they spend way too much time having to figure it out because it's just this ridiculously cumbersome process. Very cumbersome. Um, I, I loved have once I had it figured out. Yes. Though. The the system it's fun. Of, what we would do, what I would do, is I would just have a system of like, I would literally only look at the cards I could get next, yeah. and I had a loose idea where I wanted to go just because I knew the tech tree that well. But it was more about like just making more snap. What decisions. am I getting in this round? Yeah, what am I getting this round? Yeah. So the way tech works now is there's still the four colors of tech, but they have made um, planet discounts work differently. Before there were lots of planets with discounts, and it just made it. A resource, a resource cheaper per discount. Now, every text requirement is based on the color of other texts you already own. So the simple tree is just within red, there's a tech that requires nothing. There's one red that requires one red. There's a red that requires two red. There's a red that requires three red tech to be previously owned. And they do that with every single color. So there's just a straight up the line tree. And then where things get a little bit more interesting is in the new upgrade system where the the old tech has been reincorporated into some new things where um 
instead of just getting tech that adds combat bonuses to your units, you actually upgrade the units themselves and you get a new little card to represent those upgrades. Um, and those are much more diverse in the types of tech they require. For example, to get a War Sun, before you would need to own Deep Space Cannon and Enviro Compensator. Yeah. And um, the, tra- the, the tree to get to those things was all this crazy diverse thing. Now, to get a War Sun, you need to already own three red tech and one yellow tech. Not only is that um, simpler to understand... It's incredible. It, it takes nothing to teach. I mean, you look at the card and you get what it's telling you. Right. Um, so for new players, this new tech system is going to just make sense right out of the gate. It's uh, also just not as specific. Like, it's nice now that War Sun, like, you don't have to get, like, you can get a yellow tech that you might want mm-hmm. um, instead of just, like, whatever. Right. You know? Like, it. yeah, it's just more, it's a more open, uh, flexible system. Yeah. The problem with that is kind of how, how straight-laced the specific tech trees are with the you know with red yellow green and blue where you can get divisions in that is in how racial tech works now before racial tech was something they added later in the game and they had to kind of make up a weird reason for it to cost more than normal tech well now it works just like any other tech but it also has different costs and your racial tech will have a color attributed to it as well so instead of you know if you need something that requires two yellow tech you can get your base Sarween tools, but then you don't necessarily have to go straight into Graviton Laser System if you can afford a racial tech that is also going to get you a yellow. Right. You can use that yellow to then skip ahead now. Now you have two yellow techs, one of them being your racial. You can skip Graviton Laser Systems and go straight to Transit Diodes, things like that. Also planets. Don't forget about planets. And so we mentioned the way that um, the discounts now work is each planet, or there are planets with tech um, specialties. There are now only eight. There are two per color, so it's way, way, way less than before. Mm-hmm. And each of those specialties lets you skip one prerequisite if you spend that planet when you buy that tech. So if you somehow get a lucky piece of the galaxy where you have two red planets on your side of the galaxy that are easy for you to claim, you're going to be able to take those two planets and then immediately go buy Duranium armor. Because which, you have two red. Just because you have two red planets. Or let's say you even started with a red tech of your own, and you have those two red planets. You can get Assault Cannon, which requires three red tech. So it's just this awesome uh, system that not only encourages people to get more tech, because it seems so much simpler to right. get like what used to be late-game tech that you never saw. I mean, things like Fleet Logistics and Light Wave Deflector, where you can take two actions or jump through people's systems those were tech that i think in all of my games i've seen maybe twice yeah yeah hardly um, ever and now you're going to see it almost every game well from someone. you can now plan like yes. you can be crafty in how you get tech before the system was so rigid that it really it was really hard to i mean jolnar could do some cool stuff yeah. and get like three tech around which is great and yeah i mean i guess you have to be a little bit crafty to pull that off not crazy crafty right but, um you now i feel like you can really plan to get a specific tech that you want and it doesn't take like all of your resources it's just about like a look at that planet there if i go grab that activate tech and i already Mm -hmm. have this thing you know i can bump up to that it's great i like that i also think it's cool that the um the uh, the upgrades don't don't factor into this that the upgrades mm-hmm. are like if you want to buy an upgrade it's not necessarily going to also count towards your right. well not at all it, it definitely doesn't and i love that i love that there are ways that you can spend your tech that isn't going to keep multiplying the tech as well right. it's a nice balancing act yeah. that war sun doesn't get you more points into right. anything and it's also nice 
to just kind of have that, like most of the colored tech doesn't specifically relate to, you know, doing better in combat. Obviously, they give you abilities that will make you better in combat, but not all of them are that way. But to get the um, upgrades, they are all going to relate to combat in some way. And so to pick an upgrade over picking a tech, they made that choice, like, you can feel the impact from that choice. I'm choosing to get better units to be better at combat instead of improving the technology of my great race, improving the vast knowledge, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You can think of it thematically yeah. like that, where it's, you, you, you're, you're splitting it in half. So we want to just go over what each of the, the tech are um, and kind of talk about some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses of these techs. There, I think there are definitely a two or three routes that most players are going to go every game. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple races that'll shake that up, and there's a couple ways the systems could be laid out that change that. But for the most part, there are certain tech that are definitely more powerful than other ones. Yes. And you will see players wanting to race for those tech over others. So let's just go over them. We're going to go over them color by color, and we're going to work from the bottom up. So we'll start with the tech that most races either start with or can acquire without any prerequisites. So let's start with red. Base game, uh, the base red is plasma scoring. They got rid of Hylar 5 assault laser and replaced it with this this little ditty, which is when one or more of your units use bombardment or space cannon, one of those units may roll one additional die. I think this is great. I mean, this is the first symbol of like, Wow, is tech going to be this powerful? Because this is this is an incredibly early game. This is mm-hmm. this is you require almost nothing to get this tech, mm-hmm. and the bonus you get out of it isn't like the biggest thing in the world. But for being like the first tech you could buy or already own, it's a pretty powerful ability. Yeah. Um, you know, d- depends on if you're going to go for that strategy. Obviously, if you're going to have a lot of dreadnoughts or if you're going to have a lot of PDS. But I think the utility there is is definitely present. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I think. I, I think it's definitely it. I don't know. We're going to talk about PDS a lot in this uh, mm-hmm. conversation. Uh, and I don't know. I don't know exactly where I stand at this point as to whether PDS are better than they were in TI3 or worse. Um, but this is to me, this is definitely way more. You get this for the space cannon versus yeah. bombardment. Bombardment is, I mean, it's nice to do it. And when you need to do it, it's great. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's bombardment is so specific, yeah. you know, like you're not the, Really, in a game of Twilight Imperium, there's not going to be that many really crazy close yeah. ground combat. Like, and I don't really see that changing in TI4. Yeah. Um, so Bombardment, that's, it's nice. I think Space Cannon is more where it's at. The yeah. fact that you're going to get one additional die for Space Cannons, especially if you're going to end up stacking them. Um, and uh, Yeah, it, I don't know. It com- Combined with some of these other um, PDS techs, I think become, plasma scoring can be really good. Yeah. It, but still, it's just like a base level tech. Yeah. It's not the best yeah. tech. It's, it's, it's okay. So with Mage and Defense Grid, uh, that's the kind of level one tech if plasma scoring is your level zero. Um, cost one, red, and you may exhaust this card at the start of a round of ground combat on a planet that contains one or more of your units that have planetary shield. Your opponent cannot make combat rolls during this combat round. Uh, to me, that's kind of a whatever. I think like, this is straight up just like bad tech. Like yeah. I, to me, knowing what comes next, I hate that I am in most cases going to have to get this tech before I can get the useful stuff. You're going to um, want to skip this if you can. Yeah. Most likely. Yeah. Um, I mean, the fact that you have to have a unit, you basically you have to have a PDS 
on the planet to skip a single round of ground combat. Mm -hmm. Well, ground combat tends to take a while because ground infantry don't roll very well. Yeah. So you're never going to like, or you're very rarely going to finish it in one anyway. So delaying one round might save you one casualty. Mm -hmm. Sure, that can turn the tide of a battle in specific situations, but for how... The, the big thing with TI-4 is going to be there are tech that seem okay, and in TI-4, okay tech means it's bad tech. Right. Because there is some incredibly powerful tech that, by comparison, things like Mage and Defense Grid just do not hold up. No. This, for me, would be um, possibly the worst tech. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely down there. Um, so, to follow that up comes one of my favorite techs in the game, which... I think there's some... The, the debate is out there if this is actually good, but the level 2 red tech is Duranium Armor, and during each combat round, after you assign hits to your units, repair one of your damaged units that did not use sustained damage during this combat round. This is actually a nerf to the previous Duranium Armor, which mm -hmm. was just you get to repair a damage unit every uh, round. So now it's got to be something you didn't take a hit on, but I still think it's incredibly good because if you are going that route, if you're if you're piling on the flagships or war suns and dreadnoughts and whatever, you're not you're going to have the unit that can do this. Right. You're going to be able to take these hits. Or if you, you know, if you have one dreadnought and then are supported by enough fighters, you can take one round of taking a couple fighter hits so that you can repair your dreadnought that round. There's mm -hmm. there are multiple ways to keep this very very useful. I find this interesting because I actually like the way that they've changed it even though it's sort of a nerf. Um but I think it lets the tech drive your strategy a little more than mm -hmm. it used to. Um, because now, so like I have different ways of playing when it comes to whatever race I'm playing in what situation. I don't always go for big capital ships. Like yeah, I don't always right. build dreadnoughts and war suns. Right. Sometimes I just like having a bunch of cruisers and like feeling really versatile and like that I'm, that I have just more ships in general than you, even if they're not better ships. Um, and so I feel like if I got this tech, I would feel like, okay, this has to kind of drive my strategy a little more than it used to. It used to be like, oh, cool, like that's, I can use that. It, it, it's less flexible, but I think it tells you more what you're going to be seeing in the game. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Uh, level three red tech is Assault Cannon. At the start of a space combat in a system that contains three or more of your non-fighter ships, your opponent must destroy one of his non-fighter ships really cool i mean i i think it's definitely uh gonna hurt mm -hmm. there's something about the spirit of this tech though that i actually don't really like that much what i do don't mean? know why like so what's so the theme here is that you have this this cannon and it just kills stuff in big yeah. it, against big fleets but it just kind of feels a little like i don't know there's no drama to it we're not yeah. rolling anything yeah. it's just something you get automatically and it's also just a tech it's not a actual physical unit i know this is probably a very strange point i'm making here but it just feels a little like <laughs> yeah. i i feel a like too loose. A, a little too loose and like it's like this assault it's it's a tech but it's called an assault cannon as if it's like a specific thing where is it? Like, yeah. I know I'm going in a really weird direction <laughs> on this one. It's just every time I read it, I'm just like, so it's like a magic 
gun yeah. somewhere, somewhere that does this. Yeah. Do you guys get what I'm saying when I say this? Like, do I seem crazy? Are there other people listening to this being like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no one cares. I think this is incredibly powerful. Oh, it's a great, it's great <laughs> as a tech. Um, I just feel like the, yeah, the... And the, the reason I think this is incredibly powerful is specifically where it says your opponent must destroy one of his non-fighter ships. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy to think of that being a hit, but it's not. If nope. you waltz three ships up against the war sun and the war sun is for some reason left alone it's dead now and that's it and the mm-hmm. combat is over mm-hmm. um so when you know that guy who flies around with his war sun and six fighters thinking he's protected maybe you don't actually get to use this tech on him because as soon as you get the tech he's going to be aware of it um but he or she now has to play very differently uh based on that and they're gonna have to leave a better fleet with their war sun because they don't want you to just come around with your assault cannon and tear their best ship apart i think uh because of how much it costs that you're probably either going to see someone going up the red ladder to jump to war suns yeah. or to jump to assault cannon because you bought war suns basically yeah. that's that's kind of how i see it yeah i think if you ended up having both like that's crazy and good for you for getting there um but it, that's a it, that's very expensive it's definitely. very expensive but it's also not that like the requirement for assault cannon is almost the exact same as the requirement for a war sun so it's pretty logical that if you got war sun your next buy might be, be assault, assault cannon because cannon, you've oh, already man, got the prereqs so for scary. it so i don't know it, it is certainly going to be really um you i know what it is i just don't think it's cool like i think it's good yeah. but i don't think it's it's not slick yeah it's, I it's not very sexy es- ti tech. especially when we compare it to like the other level three techs, I think that's where this one does feel like it falls short. Like I think it's powerful, but I wonder if it's level three powerful. Mm-hmm. Part of me almost feels like throw out mage and defense grid, make Duranium armor level one, make assault cannon level two, and give me something crazy for level three. Because yeah. for me to go that far in the tech tree, you know, I just feel like I, I should get something even bigger and even more thematic but yeah but it's red tech it's all focused on combat and you know focusing on just combat uh it doesn't necessarily make your strategy very flexible does it no and i think um you're not going to see people go down this um branch very often i mean there's going to be a couple games where people really need to get that right you know something of if you're up against a good embers of muat player or something yeah you're going to want to rush for assault cannon but in most games the value you're going to get out of going down the red tree is going to pale in comparison to what you can do if you go down the other trees. Yeah, I would say it's still... It was my least favorite tree mm-hmm. in TI3, and I think overall it's still... I, I mean, I don't... Mage and Defense Grid is the only one that I think is like a bad tech. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I've never been... I, I feel like if I were to go down the red tech tree, I think it's because I want war suns and I don't necessarily know if I'm always going to go after assault cannon because I might feel more like I want war suns and, and like some to... blue tech. Yeah. Like... Yeah. I agree with that. Um, let's talk about yellow tech. Cause I think yellow tech is very odd in TI four. Um, and I, I kind of hesitate to say any of it is very good to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, Part of what yellow tech is going to turn out to be is just like there's a lot of things that require yellow tech and so you're gonna there's a couple races that definitely benefit from yellow tech but i feel like you're gonna not see people go for yellow very often so let's start with the basic sarween tools 
When one or more of your units use production, reduce the combined cost of the produced units by one. This is just a simpler wording of exactly what Sarween Tools did before. It's fine, it's not like the most powerful thing in the world, but it definitely helps you get a couple extra things out there every time you play production. I think it's fine. It's good. It's I, good for a base. I like it. Uh, I like it because I like any tech that... that or I like any bonus in this game that you're going to get to use frequently yes. and every single time. Yeah. So like if you compare it to plasma scoring, uh, that's something that you can only use whenever you're bombarding or using space cannon, which is something that might not even happen at all early game, whereas Sarween tools, you get it yeah. first and you've got it. And now every single time you use production, it's going to cost you less. I think with Sarween tools, and it's pretty obvious because it is level zero or whatever, it doesn't cost you. There's no prerequisite for Sarween tools. Um, get it early. If you're going to get it, yeah. just get it early because that's how, when it's going to count the most. Yes. Uh, next up is Graviton Laser System. You may exhaust this card before one or more of your units use Space Cannon. Hits produced by those units must be assigned to non-fighter ships if able. I don't know why this is a yellow tech. Yeah. But sure. I mean, I guess the, the thought here is yellow tech is like economics slash... It's the stuff that happens on your planets, and PDS are on your planets, so this is this it boosts that, but whatever. It could have been Mage in Defense Grid. Exactly. It literally could have just been Mage in Defense Grid with the with that name and nobody would have thought yeah. that was weird. But yeah, yeah uh, I I think this is I, I feel like this is the tech that people are stuck on when we're talking about PDS in yes. general as to whether or not this makes PDS really good now. Right. Getting um, this tech definitely before you get this tech, there d it doesn't seem like there's a lot you can do with PDSs, but specifically with this tech, to be able to cancel out people's big fighter buffer zones, it's definitely powerful. And if you set up a good PDS grid, which may or may not be very easy to do, it seems like it's not going to be that. I mean, all you got to do is play construction two or three times, and you're going to have a pretty sweet network of PDSs. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I could see this having a huge impact, but I can also see lots of games where it just never quite hits the way it's supposed to yeah and also i'm going to say one thing i i really i want pds to be good i've yeah. always liked pds yeah. i actually do feel like i'm going to end up siding with i feel like the majority of people saying that pds isn't like nothing to write home about and the only reason is this you may exhaust yeah. this card it's one time use. it's a one time per round not per turn per round yeah. thing that you can do so like it's i just feel like cool your jets a little bit like it's it's cool it's definitely cool and it'll like it'll help for that one but it's not going to be, be used over and over and kind over of and over. in direct contrast with your last point like to have something that you can any of these texts that are like exhausted to do this one time it's already that much worse in my book because right. You better be exhausting it because it's going to do something really cool. Yeah. Because otherwise, like that's a huge limit that it must be exhausted. Right. Yeah. It's got to be a devastating attack that you that you do. Yeah. So the next uh, yellow tech, the level two yellow tech, is transit diodes. Um, you may exhaust this card at the start of your turn during the action phase. Remove up to four of your ground forces from the game board and place them on one or more tr planets you control. Uh, this actually could be really good for certain races. Absolutely. I think it's useless for a lot of races, but there are certain people who I think part of your strategy like hinges on getting this tech and using it well. Mm -hmm. It's another one of those ones where you gotta exhaust it, but it makes more sense that this is not something that you can repeatedly use and you're gonna get um, good, you're gonna, good things are gonna happen when you use this card. 
it's a big it's it's a big shift you're making too it's really cool that uh it it just allows you to start i mean that is the, at the start of the action phase hopefully most people haven't really done much i mean if you got leadership then nobody's done anything and if you're the nalu then nobody's done anything right and i could see somebody being like all right well mechatol's got a lot more going on, yeah, on it right now yeah. and it, it could be really clutch at times it's still something you have to exhaust you can't do it over and over um obviously uh for arborek this is gonna mean a lot more than it's gonna mean for some people yeah um yeah, I, I consider it situational, and I think people um, don't really like this one very much in general, um, but I don't hate on it super. Like, I think it's uh, I think it's all right. I think it's cool. I don't think this one is... I'm going to take back your Arborek point a little bit, because they, they can get their own tech that let them do basically a better... Any number of infantry. I mean, it's, it's not when they want to. It's got to be during the status phase, but it's not just four units. I mean, maybe if they use both, they're just warping their dudes all over the place. I mean, I... I see kind of both. I see a reason an Arborek player might be like, I absolutely don't need transit diodes. Right, and I see an Arborek player going, that's crucial to how I want to operate with my dudes. Yeah. To be able to move them twice. Yeah, that's got its power. So I, I don't know. I I guess that's one. I got to see how it plays out to right. know yeah, if that's wasn't, any good. I, I wasn't thinking about the racial tech when I said that. But um, yeah, that's probably overkill really at that point. If I'm the Arborek, I'm probably just going to go after the racial because I'm pretty sure they start with a green. So the green costs them two. So yeah, yeah you're gonna get there. Yeah, quicker. you're not gonna get tra- transit diodes if you're Arborek, unless you're just like that paranoid. Yeah. You need you need to be able to move them in the status phase and at the beginning of the action yeah. phase. Also, know. it might be cool though. Yeah, I think it's cool. cool. I think it's like, I think it could work in certain games, and so it's something I think I'm gonna it would try. Would be funny if Arborek was moving their ground forces around like so much where people aren't sure what if they can ever attack them yeah. because it's like, yeah, that it could be cool. Um, I will say the the one point I put against this is just that like it's only four ground forces and depending on what's on the board like this being a slightly later game tech I, I don't think anyone's rushing for transit diodes a so it's probably something you're getting after you've gotten a lot of other tech that you need and you're just kind of like eh, I can get tech this round if you're getting transit diodes it's later in the game which means there's like more things with bombardment. There's there's just people have more ways to take out your ground forces yeah. on planet. So moving forward, you know, let's say the best case scenario is like you've got a guy on Mechatol Rex and you move four more guys to Mechatol Rex to help defend it. But like if I'm gunning for Mechatol Rex, I'm bringing enough stuff to take out your five ground forces. Yeah, and also we don't have mechanized units anymore. Yeah. So if if mechanized units get introduced in the game via an expansion, this will get bumped up. Um, this tech will get bumped up by that, but Depen- that's not depending on how it interact. If you're allowed to use, yeah, unless I can, who knows? Even that was the disaster of mechanized units. Yeah, but moving on. Integrated economy is the level three yellow tech. Um, after you gain control of a planet, you may produce any number of units on that planet that have a combined cost equal to or less than that planet's resource value. Um, I dig it. I think. It's kind of underwhelming for the all of yellow is a little bit underwhelming, I'd say, except for Sarween tools. Yeah. Um, but the problem with this one is it's too late. Yeah. This is the level three. The only races that are going to benefit from this are the ones that can get it like round one, which would be basically universities of Jolnar will want to get this tech. Yeah. Nobody else by the time they can get it. Because, again, this is a thing where, like, you're going to have to sacrifice going all the way down the yellow tech tree to get here. You're not getting that many benefits along the way. And then when you get here, it's, you know, round four, maybe round five or something. 
most of the planets have already been taken. It's not like you're, you know, this is a this is a tech that you want round one so that you can be using it from the beginning of the game. Right. Um, and the other thing that I've seen pointed out is um, you still have to pay for those units. So even if you do get it early game, you are not going to have the resources. Like, it's just a weird kind of counterintuitive way that this thing works where it's like, okay, cool, you can build as you take planets, but like... How much benefit does that really, really get me? Yeah. Um, especially because most of the planet, you know, we're talking about most planets are one or two resources. So I'm going to be able to build a cruiser yeah. or four fighters or something. You know, it's like there's just not a lot I'm getting out of this tech. And it just doesn't have the punch that I need from a level three tech. Yeah, I think we could we could have maybe deleted transit diodes, integrated economy could have been a level two and then something different for level three. Yeah. Um maybe switch them, make transit diodes much better. Yeah. More things moving around. You don't have to exhaust it. Make that your level three and integrated your level two. I still stand by I think transit diodes could be could be good it's gonna in have the right situation. More than any other yellow tech it's gonna have an impact. I think though Honestly, what you're going to see happen most games is people are going to buy Starween tools, and, and then they it. are not going to touch yellow anymore. Yep. And honestly, I know I just got done saying that red is like probably, the, I think, the worst. Uh, maybe I should have said least favorite. Uh, I think I love Starween tools. Like To me, Starween yeah. tools is like an essential tech. It was in TI3. I still feel like it is in TI4. It's going to be something I'm going to buy frequently and early. And I honestly like it better than all of the red tech. <laughs> all of it. I still do. I think yeah. it's it, anything, anything that is a permanent bonus yeah. that never stops being useful is important in TI. Yeah. Uh, moving on to green tech. Green is where things get, I think, very interesting and you get, you get some real power out of green. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one up is Neural Motivator. During the status phase, draw two action cards instead of one. It's the same as what it was in TI3, but now it's some races start with it. Uh, it's the first thing you can get, you know, before it was, you know, a few tech deep and now it's just like, you're going to be able to do this, which I love purely, maybe it's not incredibly powerful, but I love that it means more people are going to be getting action cards. Yeah. I just think that is a good thing to have happening. Mm -hmm. And I would say that it is, uh, like just what I was saying about Starwing tools. It's great Mm -hmm. because you get it and then it's a permanent bonus that you're always going to have. Get it, get it early. Um, the only reason I would say not to get it is if you don't plan on going down the green path at right. all for some reason. Right. So the level one green tech is uh, Daxiv Animators. Not really sure about how to pronounce that, nor did I really care. Um, after you win a ground combat, you may place one infantry from your reinforcements on that planet. Um, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Not. I mean, not. Not the best for a level one tech. I'd say. You know what? That's fine. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah. I'll take that. That's an appropriate level yes. one tech. Some of these are. Um, some of these are bigger, and some of these are about less. Mage and defense. Yeah. Grid. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's. I. I think it's good. It's nice that it's not. You may exhaust that. You right. do not have to exhaust it. Right. It is something that you're going to get every ground combat. Is that one extra infantry? So yeah, I think Dax of Animators is fine, and it's something that I. Here's the biggest thing: if I need to get something later in green or like a racial tech that is higher up in green, I'm glad I'm getting this along yeah. the way. Yeah. Um, I'm not gunning for this just to get this, but I'm glad I'm getting the benefit of it as I go through the green tech tree. And I think that's a big difference between something like Mage and Defense Grid or. Um, graviton graviton laser system mm-hmm. um, is i want to have this yeah yep so the next one is hyper metabolism and at least what we have 
I, I wonder if they've already reprinted it for what is going to be the, the official release of Twilight Imperium 4, but right now it is commonly agreed that this is a misprint, because what it says is during the status phase, gain two command tokens instead of one, but during the status phase, you gain two command tokens, so everyone pretty much agrees that this means gain three tokens instead of two. Yeah. Um, which is, in my opinion, great, because of well, how yeah. much we've talked about how important command counters are. I think maybe some people might say one is not enough to make all the difference in the world, but I totally dis- uh, disagree. I, disagree. I think it's big. Yeah. I think everything that we're learning is that command tokens are going to be less plentiful. Yeah. So yeah, get this. Uh, again, it passes my love anything that yes. helps you over and over. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Anything that helps you over and over, get it. <laughs> um, the other thing I've liked so far about green is they're all just simple to understand. All these other ones are... Any, any tech that is something you do every time kind of inherently is probably going to be simple to understand. Mm-hmm. And I know specifically with, like, in TI3, there were tech that, like, I would constantly forget to do because oh, yeah. it, it required such a specific scenario that I would just always forget to do it, whereas these is like, I'm never going to forget to draw my third command counter. Oh, yeah. I want that command counter so badly, and that's the sign of a good tech that it's like, I can use it every time, and I really, really want to and need to. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the last green tech. Yeah, so we've got, for our level three green tech... Um, X89 bacterial weapon is back, baby. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's an action this time, which I don't think it was before. Um, no. You exhaust the card and choose one planet in a system that contains one or more of your ships that have bombardment. Destroy all infantry on that planet. Um, I think it's situational, but I think it's great. It's it is. It is exactly the right type of situational ability Mm -hmm. that when you use Bacterial Weapon, it's going to be very exciting on the board. And it's going to be a big deal when you use it. I I don't think anyone is going to push for this, Mm -mm. but I think it's something that a a race that has already gone deep into green is going to be in the late game scenario and be like, I can just get X89 Bacterial Weapon. Like I can just now have that. And that's going to be a huge resource in late game scenarios specifically. There's that. And there's also, I think this is the more exciting potential and has always been the exciting potential of this tech is seeing the opportunity to use it and then being like, I'm going to buy that and then immediately use it. And everyone's going to be like, wait, what? Oh man, he bought that. Like, I just did what Twilight Imperium does and said he, he or she bought that. (laughs) And then, wow. What? And now they cleared Mechatol yeah. or wherever yeah. or you know Starpoint or Albion or Hope's End right wow. or one of the other planets or or, or any even, of the planet or any of the potential planets plan- in Twilight Imperium. <laughs> Should we list them all out? Yes. There's Lodor. Abyss. There's Quan. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, the last tree and by far the most best exciting best, best tree. I best think tree. it's universally agreed. Yeah, it it's, starts, it's obvious. It starts. Not especially strong, but then it completely skyrockets into the realm of unstoppable tech. Mm-hmm. So your first one, anti-mass deflectors, your basic blue tech, a lot of things start with this, is your ships can move into and through asteroid fields. This is fun because it's a change from TI3. Before, you could never stop in an asteroid field unless you were the clan Asar, and now you can. I don't know what benefit that's going to give people, but sure, great. Sure. Okay, yeah, I can do that that's now. Something. Uh, then they also attached when other players use... Uh, when other players' units use space cannon against your units, apply minus one to the result of each die roll. 
I want to point out that that is such a bigger deficit against PDS than any of their supposed bonuses. Yeah, yeah. Like, that a is... A flat minus one. A flat minus one across the board to every die roll. Yeah. That's going to hurt. Yeah. Like, these... Uh, these and everyone's going to have it. Everyone's going to have it. And I think that is where PDS are worse in this game. Yes. Because everyone's just going to have a minus one. Because everyone's going to be going for blue tech at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. So everyone's going to have any mass deflectors and... Yeah, it's just gonna. It just straight up makes PDS worse. Mm-hmm. And it and it and it passes my test. We're gonna call it Hunter's test, <laughs> which is that it's just a an extra thing, and you get it all the time. Yeah, it's it's always gonna be. Anytime it can be used, it will be used, and it's just simple. It's good. Gravity drive is our level one, uh, which has been changed. It's been changed up a little bit. Uh, after you activate a system, apply plus one to the move value of one of your ships during this tactical action. Um, this is this is interesting because it kind of replaces the power of xrd transporters xrd transporters are a little bit that's the carriers can move to that's a little bit more difficult to get to now and so you're going to see people go for gravity drive and maybe never go for xrd transporters depending on how they're needing to play or or whatever but early game you're going to see a lot of people go for gravity drive because everything is very slow in TI4, you're already starved for command counters. None of your stuff moves, or none of your carriers move too. So gravity drive is going to be what a lot of races need to get their economy online in round one or two. Yeah. It's also, I mean, I, I can see it being like, okay, so I want to get that first dreadnought out there. Yeah. And so you'll have this like early fleet that's like, you know, like a cruiser or two that you started with, maybe one more you built and then a and dreadnought. That, that dreadnought finally they can relevant. All go. Yeah, yeah, like they can all do it. But once you get late game and you've got people going either like lots of capital ships, yeah. like gravity drive is, you're going to forget that you can even do it because yeah. you got to find some other way to move your ships your faster. Your whole fleet, right. Yeah. Um, level two is fleet logistics. This one I think is the most interesting tech. During each of your turns of the action phase, you may perform two actions instead of one. This means you can do two component actions. You can do two, you know, you can do your strategy card and then do another action. I mean, there's a whole host of things that you can do that make this incredibly incredibly powerful it's it's a very special tech because it is the i would say it's the most special tech because i can't even list all the ways that you could apply this like that's how crazy it is it literally changes how i would play the game having fleet logistics versus not having fleet logistics yeah and and it's going to be the game winner too i mean people Mm -hmm. are going to find ways to just the the you're going to see more games won through in a clever fleet logistics play than anything else. Yeah. Okay, so our final, our, the last uh, blue tech, and the last tech we're going to talk about in just the regular tech tree is uh, what light wave, I almost called it white wave deflector. <laughs> light wave deflector, boys and girls, um, or just boys according to Twilight Imperium pronouns. <laughs> Anyways, your ships can move through systems that contain other players' ships. Pretty baller. Pretty baller. Pretty great. Um, I think, you know, there's there's definitely, like, a few instances where, like, if you see someone get this, there's a there's an easy way to prevent them from, like, getting to do too much damage with it. Like, you can set things up to where you hold. But just the fact that someone would have to do that already makes this yes. tech incredibly powerful. Yes, yes, like, yes. now I have to throw destroyers into, like, random space just to have an extra wall of block so that you can't jump into my home system or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one of those things where um, people are gonna have be have to be on their guard completely um, because you have that, 
and that second they mess up, you're going to pop into a place you're not supposed to be. Yep. It's good. It's good. I think you should get it. I think you should tell people you have it yeah. because it's going to get them in their heads that they're going to make a mistake. Right. Don't even try and make it secret. Just just announce, oh, guys, I have Lightwave Deflector. Yeah, yeah. I can get anywhere now. I'm and then everybody will be like, you. and they're going to waste so much time and energy. You might not even have to actually use it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like this it, This tech distracts. It, it puts people in their heads. It's great. I now want to kind of real quickly go over our upgrades. The big thing about upgrades is most of them are essentially unchanged from TI3, except for the fact that they just now are upgrades. But pretty much all of the all of the upgrades are an exact uh, copy of, of a TI3 tech. You've got your War Suns. That's just a tech you got to get to get War Suns. You've got your automated defense turrets, which is your destroyer too. It just makes the anti-fighter barrage better. Um, you've got Enviro Compensator, which was a tech before, but now it's Space Dock 2, uh, and it just improves the production value of a Space Dock. Um, cruisers have stasis capsules, so now they can carry somebody, and they have a movement of 3. This is unchanged. PDS can get uh, Deep Space Cannon. Carriers can get additional capacity. This is kind of a big difference. That's kind of a big one. Um, because, uh, A, it's, it's getting you the the movement of two that you're going to need. And also carriers are very low capacity now. Yeah, Only having got, four is a big deal. And so you're going to have a lot of incentive to go for XRD transporters now. Um, you got gen synthesis. That is just when you lose a ground force, you can re-roll and bring them back. You've got your advanced fighters, which we've talked about before. Um, basically just your fighters can move around the board without needing um, capacity. You'll just have to count them against your fleet supply. And then you've got your Type 4 Drive Dreadnoughts that can move on a 2 um, and can't be destroyed by direct hit. So and they have that Capacity 1. They start with Capacity 1. They do? Mm-hmm. Oh. Isn't that fun? Look, Isn't that a fun thing you learned? <laughs> look, I just messed up some Twilight Imperium stuff on my <laughs> Twilight Imperium podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, basically, <laughs> basically all of those are essentially unchanged from the previous tech beyond just like the requirements to get there. Stuff like... Uh, Cruiser 2, for some races, is going to be very difficult to get to. You need one of green, yellow, and red. But for some races, like for Universities of Jolnar, you just can do that. Like, I can just get Cruiser 2 whenever I want to. Yeah, um, that's kind of a tall order, I feel like, for Cruiser 2. But Cruiser 2 is is good. I like yeah, it. Yeah, Movement yeah. of 3. Like, I think, I think I'm definitely going to have games where I play Cruiser Heavy. Yeah. And I just enjoy that 3 movement, and I don't bother getting capital ships. Yeah. That's something I've done in the past. That's probably something I'll do now. But I am not going to be happy. Yeah. about having to buy one green, one yellow, and one red. Yeah. What, what is fun about this is because they've changed kind of the requirements for some of these, you're going to not see somebody go for like every upgrade in the game. Yeah, you know, that used to be a lot more common. It yeah. used to feel like basically someone would get all of their units or a majority of their units upgraded. Yeah. But now you're going to get more selective about like, okay, this is my cruiser fighter game, or this is my... PDS and infantry and space dock game or something like that. You know, you're going to have these strategies that revolve around the prerequisites you're going for in other trees. And like, you're just going to have to design what upgrades you're going to get along the way. It's such a better system. Yeah. I c- it can't be said enough. It's the one thing we've talked about the longest yeah. on this podcast thus far yeah. is just tech. And it's, it's great. They've really fixed it. Yeah. So in our normal fashion, we've got, we've got more races to cover and uh, we've got th- three today uh the first one and we're gonna go over first because it's just the simplest to understand is the embers of muat uh embers of muat were introduced in the first expansion for ti3 and it was a really fun addition because something that was always kind of on people's minds were like 
who's going to get War Sons? Who's going to get War right, Sons? Right. And you would only have, you know, a game every now and then that people ended up actually getting War Sons. Or, more importantly, someone getting War Sons and then them having an impact. A lot of times people would get War Sons, but it would be so late in the game that, like, you never felt it, you know, the breadth of a War Son. Also, I remember when we first started playing Twilight Imperium when we just had the base game. Yeah. We were very, we would be so, so upset afraid. Yeah. when someone would get War Sons. We would be so mad at If them. someone had Deep Space Cannon and Enviro Compensators, we were just like, what are you doing? Are you going yeah. for War Sons? You doing? better not, because I'm going to freak out. I almost don't even lie. Like, the amount that we would be freaked out about people buying yeah. War I mean, it was fun. Yeah. Um, but I, th- I, was, I don't think it's until we started playing, until we got the expansions and we started playing with this race, that we actually kind of got over yeah. like war sons is not i mean it, they're great they're so good yeah. but just because someone buys them doesn't mean they're going to they're just win destroy the game, the game. Right. yeah so the embers of muat as you can tell by our talking about it is the war sun race um they start with a prototype war sun it's a barely worse war sun basically it's got a less movement that's about it it's yeah. just it's just a slower war sun they also have these two abilities Starforge as an action spend one token from your strategy pool to place either two fighters or one destroyer from your reinforcements in a system that contains one or more of your war suns i don't think that's a very good ability at all yeah. um one kind of random kind of random i mean they had it before sort of yeah. and yeah. it's just not the best. And then also, Gash Life Physiology, your ships can move through supernovas. It still isn't, like, the biggest deal in Very the world. Very situational. Um, I would say it's like, oh, maybe you can get a cool, like, secret attack off on it. But it's like, well, everyone knows that you're the race that can do that. So everyone knows to treat that supernova in the system differently for you. So it's just, like, something that people are going to be able to plan around. Yeah, and let's uh, let's go ahead and throw this out there just because I know someone will probably bring it up. Starforge... Uh, does have that delay potential. There is that. Yeah, you can always, but delaying is a little bit more of a sacrifice in this just because of how expensive command counters it, it are. It depends on what, <laughs> but I feel like delaying... I'll say this, I feel like it's definitely better than the Federation of Souls spend a token. Because yeah. the Federation of Souls gets two ground forces, I think two fighters is more useful than two ground forces, and you also have the option to instead get a destroyer. And that's, that's a big deal. I mean, yeah. you're going to want that. Um, their flagship that you can get is as an action, spend one token from your strategy pool to place one cruiser in this unit system. So just kind of more of that ability. I mean, that's probably better, 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 better. but still like, am I really going to be spending that many command counters on just like a single ship? No, I'm going to spend the command counter to activate a system to produce a cruiser and some other stuff. I mean, I guess I could see someone maybe being like, all right, I'm playing Mua and, uh, I'm just going to try and get a bunch of command counters and instead of... Yeah. Like, instead of building, I'm going to produce out of my units. Um, I could see someone playing that way. Uh, that kind of just all shakes down to, like, if that's a doable strategy, uh, it, we got to figure out this command counter yeah. economy, and we're not I, really going to understand it. I feel, like, I feel like these abilities need to be, should have been reworked to play to their strengths more, and it, been, it shouldn't have been, like, as an action. It should be, like, anytime you activate a system with your war sun, you get the destroyers. Or anytime you activate your flagship system, uh, you, know, you I, get the cruiser. I really like what you just said, actually. Because it would encourage the Muat to like, all right, so here's the thing. If you move your Warson around, You're not gonna you be build. Yeah. Um, so there's, it's kind of a, are you going to be moving your Warson right. around everywhere? Maybe risking it? Maybe leaving it open? Yeah. It's cool. Um, yeah. Uh, fancy just... flight. Listen to our podcast. <laughs> I think this is just too much of a cost. Um, their racial tech is magmus reactor 
Um, instead of just being able to move through supernovas, your ships can now move into supernovas, and after one or more of your units use production in a system that either contains a war sun or is adjacent to a supernova, gain one trade good. This is another one of those texts where they like couldn't come up with a good enough text, so they just <laughs> so threw they two together. Yeah. Um, definitely being able to move into a supernova is... I would actually say it's it seems like moot and whatever, but depending on the positioning of that supernova can be powerful because you're going to be the only one that can go in there. Mm-hmm. So if that supernova is close enough to somebody's home base or close enough to Mechatol Rex, like, you're going to be able to set up shop there and do a lot. Guys, girls, throw it in your situational folder. Yeah, you know exactly. What I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's too red deep. Um, and that other ability of um, gaining a single trade good for producing is fine, but... Again, both of these abilities. What are you gonna sit your war yeah. sun in that in that supernova that's really far away, or maybe you get lucky and you got a war sun in your pie slice? Yeah. Or uh, sorry, a supernova in your pie slice. You always have a war sun in your pie slice, you dingus. <laughs> uh, as the embers, this doesn't seem good because you got more important tech to go for, yes, and that's your prototype war sun two. The same requirements as a normal war sun, but your war sun is gonna move on a three. Crazy. And it's gonna cost you ten instead of twelve. That is not how it was before, right? It was. Like, Okay, yes. so you would have you'd have movement three war sun. I yeah, just don't well, the, remember the way it worked in TI three, they've made this better because oh, in TI three it was you I had remember. your prototype war sun, you could upgrade it to a normal war sun, and then you could upgrade it to a better Go war further, sun. Yeah. And now they've skipped out that middle step. Now you have a worse war sun, but by the time you're getting, by the time everyone else is getting war suns, you're getting a better war sun. Yeah, and you never have the regular war sun. That's yeah. interesting. That's interesting that they never have normal war suns. Right, but. Cool. Um, I think the embers of Muat are still not good enough. That they start on a lower footing than most races. In the middle, um, they they have war suns that are powerful, but their starting fleet is pretty bad and really hard to come back from. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd say they're kind of just like a middling middling race as far as abilities. There's go. also the psychological effect of yeah. embers of Muat when you're playing, especially with like newer players who, like we were talking about, there's something about being really scared of war suns at the beginning yeah. of the game. You're gonna get targeted. I've seen Muat get targeted a lot in games where people just start talking to them or like being like really aggressive towards them early yeah. on. Um, I had a game where in TI3 where I was the Necrovirus and I started next to the Muat, and you better believe I went for that war sun right. tech and got it early yeah. game, and that. But see, that was a reason why I was going to be aggressive towards them. Right. So yeah, it's kind. Of, it can be kind of a problem that war sun. It's interesting to point out that thing because that doesn't work anymore. That's true. Um, because now the way it works is they would have to upgrade their war sun for you to be able to get it. So that's really fun. And I think maybe that's why they've kind of structured it the way they structured it because they wanted to stop Necrovirus from just having this easy like. Guess what? You thought you were the war sun race. I'm the war sun race. Guys, my mind is being. My mind was just blown by that. Actually, good job, fantasy flight. Good job. That's that's good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> this game never stops making me happy. Um. So something we said we would talk about uh, in a previous episode was the necrovirus. Uh, we went a lot over kind of the agenda phase things. We, we talked about the necrovirus's technology abilities, but we want to kind of reiterate those points now of. The, the strength of a Necrovirus player is um, getting these techs. So to kind of real quickly go over their ability again, the biggest thing is that when you attack someone and you kill a unit, you steal a tech from that person, which makes this race kind of inherently aggressive. And they can very quickly, not, well, I wouldn't say very quickly, but like by the end of the game, they can have just more tech than anybody knows how to deal with. Right. The, the bigger thing to note, though, is how the Necrovirus specifically interacts with the technology strategy card. We've been talking about just tech as a system for a while, but 
we need to hit back on that point of um, they don't research technology, but when you would research technology, you gain three command tokens instead. This is huge because this gives Necrovirus a huge incentive to take technology because if command counters are a problem, Necrovirus are getting the cheapest command counters in the game. Super cheap. Let's compare this to leadership. Leadership, you get three command counters, and then you can pay three influence per planet to get more command counters. So you could spend nine influence and get three more command counters. Well, with the way technology works, Necrovirus can get three command counters for free, just like leadership happens, and then spend six resources to buy that second tech, which then nets them another three command counters. So six command, co yeah. command counters. And also, you're taking something away from ever from everyone else. You're basically saying, hey, no one's going to get that double tech yeah. this round. It's going to cost tech. you all... Everyone is going to have to pay for their tech this round. And I'm getting a ton of command and counters. And I'm getting a ton of command counters with which to steal all that tech that you have. Yes. There's no the thing about Necro is that early game, there's no way that you're going to get like you you will probably eventually get ahead in tech, but it's not gonna happen fast. Right. At first, you you don't get any tech for free. You have to literally start conflict. Yeah. So I actually think it is a good idea to just kind of have everyone slow their roll mm -hmm. and have it cost them more to get tech so that you can be building up your fleet right. and just taking more and more and more tech. Right. So let's move on to our last and biggest uh, tech race. The, the tech race. The, the, the tech race. The universities of Jolnar. Pretty similar to TI3, except for just because of the way tech has changed, they've had to change along with it. So they still have their minus one to all combat roles, um, opposite of the Sardak Nor, basically. Which is great how it's represented on the sheet now. Yeah, too. I love I love so the organization good. of it. And also um, necessary because of how... I think most people can recognize that this may be the best best race in the game because of how crazy they can get with tech and yeah. how many bonuses that gets them. And in this game... That might be an even bigger deal because they're going to get some late game tech very quickly through the use of their other abilities. The first one is brilliant. When you spend a command token to resolve the secondary ability of technology strategy card, you may resolve the primary ability instead. So first thing is there's not really a big reason for Universities of Jolnar to take tech mm -hmm. except for just that like, I don't want to spend the command token. Do yeah. I want to just do the primary or do I want to spend a token to do the primary? So I like that more than TI3 where they were actually incentivized to never take tech. Right. Um, but anyways, they're gonna that's gonna allow them to get more tech quickly. Uh, but their second ability or their third ability is really the biggest one, which is analytical. When you research a technology that is not a unit upgrade technology, you may ignore one prerequisite. This is huge, especially considering they start with every single basic tech. So round one. Not only can they get any level two tech, mm -hmm. they could technically also get any level three tech. They can get the end game tech first round. Yeah, they the, so yeah, it's just like with everything that we talked about, like in this like almost hour long podcast that you're listening to, when we were talking about the tech tree, even in the blue tech tree, there were some, there was like there were things that we didn't want or that we felt like, oh, you know, that's like. That's only going to be useful sometimes. Right. Jonar is just going to be able to get whatever tech yep. they want every time. Everything's on the table. It's so it's so good. Yeah. They might be better. They were already like they were really great. A top five race. I think this is better. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Oh man. Getting They're getting so things. Good. My biggest thing, and we will talk about when 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 we go into discussions of uh, like starting strategies with races, we'll probably talk about this more. But there are a couple things that you can do with University of Jolnar first round that are just huge. Things like getting hypermetabolism round one. 
you're going to always be ahead of people in command counters. Getting light wave deflector round one. You're going to just move, like you can go anywhere you want. Getting fleet logistics round one. Always having the option to take two actions around. I mean, there's just there's so a lot many of different ways you can apply their race, like their their bonuses, which is exactly what makes a good race. Yeah. Is having bonuses that can be applied in, in a, a lot of different yeah. ways. Yeah. The flexibility of their race is pretty insane. I do like, I love the kind of um, the balancing act of saying that uh, that they can't ignore um, prerequisites when it comes to unit upgrade upgrades, technology. Yeah. They're, they're so getting, that's cool that yes. it's they still have slightly worse units than everybody. Um, and That's where they balance of, the ability because before yeah. you're going to get all this tech that gives you like you're going to silly you're going to negate your minus one to combat because roles. you're going to get plus one on every single yeah. unit and now you know you're still you're still going to get there you're still going to buy a lot of right. those unit upgrades but at least yeah you don't get to ignore you don't get to skip around you yeah. got to do it the old fashioned yeah. way it's good they're great they're, they're great I, they're um you know I will say this though um I have never been I don't play them yeah they're just I. Uh, for no reason, I think actually no. Let me tell you exactly what the reason is. They're Matt, Matt's favorite race. They're, my They're race. Matt's classic <laughs> favorite race. So I don't play them because that's Matt's thing, and I'm not into it because Matt's into it. <laughs> uh, their flagship is whatever. When making a combat roll for this ship, each result of a nine or a ten before applying the modifiers produces two additional hits. That's fun, but it's like okay, sometimes that happens, sometimes it doesn't. It's a two on a seven. And its ability is okay. I, I don't think you're going to be going for this flagship because you're going to be too mm-hmm. busy spending your money on all the crazy tech that you can get. Right. Um, speaking of tech, they also have racial tech that is pretty fun. Um, and and is another thing where like if you focus on it in the right way, you're going to have really specific crazy games. The first is Spatial Conduit Cylinder. It requires two blue, and you may exhaust this card after you activate a system that contains one or more of your units that system is adjacent to all other systems that contain one or more of your units during this activation so this is crazy for defensive capabilities it's crazy for just like hey guess what everything just warped to mechatol rex i mean it's just like this is just a bonkers um tech Mm -hmm. to give to a race that is gonna get a lot of utility out of it yeah uh their other tech e-res siphons It requires two yellow, and after another player activates a system that contains one or more of your ships, gain four trade goods. Could be cool, I think, if you get it early. Yeah, Um, which you can easily do. I think this is one that you will see strategies that rely on this, mm -hmm. and then you will see games where they're just like, I'm not doing that, I'm skipping E-Res Siphons. Right, yeah. Um, You could either, if you want to build like a rich, wealthy Jolnar and just kind of go after everything that's going to get you more money... Maybe maybe that's a way to go. Yeah. Honestly, I, I like that blue one better, the spatial conduit cylinder. The thing, though, is you're going to get so much tech that I think you're going to come to a point where like you've gotten all the really great tech, and this level two technically yellow tech is better than most of the other yellow tech. So that's if you can sure. afford it, yeah. you're going to get it. Like, yeah, definitely get it instead of, what was it? Uh, transit diodes. Transit diodes. Yeah. Instead, it was way better than trans. The trans biggest diodes. thing that I think is weird about these two techs is I think they should have made them both more expensive because knowing... Like, because this is racial tech, you can cultivate it for that race. Yeah. And Jolnar start with one in every single color. So this tech only requires them to get one, one more yeah, of that color, which means if you're getting two tech, if you if you play tech round one, you're getting either of these racial techs round mm-hmm. one, which I just feel like is a little bit a little bit much yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, they and it wouldn't be if they were as expensive as possible. If they were three blue and three yellow, 
Um, it's not like that would even be that it's big not, of a hindrance. Yeah, you're gonna get it pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. you're gonna you're gonna get if you're playing Jolnar, you're gonna get all the tech anyway. So yeah. it's it's kind of even silly to make tech recommendations because it's like right. just you're have at it, everything. bro. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, can we mourn something real quick? Yes. Can we mourn? I and mean, I think you'll appreciate this that Jolnar can no longer get three tech in a round. Yes. That is not something that I think, is possible. I think that's great. Um, again, it, going back to kind of that point we made of, I love that they they made it to where. Because of how powerful it was to get three tech around. Insane. Just like being able to just like, no, you either play the primary or you play the secondary. Like, you you don't get to do extra. You just get to do what the main person is doing. Because even that is extra. So yeah. I think it's a necessary balance for them. Yeah. And what that was like, if you don't know what we're talking about, maybe I think they couldn't do it in base. They couldn't do it in base game. It was a, it was a, technolo- it was a white technology card thing, but it was still... It was insane. You would yeah. just, they would get so many techs so quickly that you would, you, there'd be no ways to keep track of it. Yeah. Like my brain I stopped never paying had, attention to Jolnar players' right. tech. I would have to because it's like, dude, I don't have enough room. I'm playing Twilight Imperium yeah. right now. I don't have enough room in my brain for all the tech that you yeah. have. And honestly, that was the whole problem of playing as Jolnar's. You would end up with so much tech. Kind of what I was saying earlier, there's going to be abilities you're going to forget about. Well, when you have like 900 abilities, it's like there's no way I'm going to remember mm-hmm. all these. And so you spend so much time as a Jolnar player sitting there just like rereading all of your text, just being like, okay, when I do this action, I got to remember to do this. And when I do this and when someone does this to me, I got to remember. And it just becomes a total mess. So the tech system has been, it's so much more elegant. Yep. It's beautiful. Um, it's not perfect. There's a lot of tech we talked about that we didn't really care for. But overall, it's such a huge improvement over yes. TI3. It's huge. And for that reason, Jolnar, already a great race. Better. Got a lot better. Yep. Got a lot better. Yep. Even better. Like, it's this is somebody that, if you're talking about best races in TI and you're not talking about Jolnar as a possibility, yeah. uh, you're a uh, dum-dum. Dum-dum pants. Dum-dum pants. And we haven't even played the game yet, dog, but I'm being honest with you, dum-dum pants. We have this really good uh, trend of at the end of every episode, we like to insult our audience. That's true. So Not, not directly. We're talking about directly. stupid people, not anyone yeah. listening to this. So for all you stupid people, you suck. Who don't listen. All you smart people, we'll see you in the errata. Yeah, thanks for, bye. Thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. What's up, you dum-dums? Just kidding, you're not dum-dums. You're the smart people. I think that's what I said. I'm not sure. Um, let's talk errata. Yeah, let's do some more errata. Um, we, there's not much. We're going we're gonna to make this pretty short and sweet this week. Um, there's really only two things to cover that you guys talked much about. Um, so we'll just jump right into... Um, I want to talk about the Yasaro first. Yeah. Because that's even quicker to talk about. Um, and really, it's, it's nothing besides points that some of you guys brought up to add to the conversation um you kind of the first one is from robofish from board game geek and, and you kind of specifically said you strongly disagree with our opinions on mage and implants but i feel like we have similar opinions you just feel more strongly about them maybe but it's just that mage and implants lets you look at their hand and you kind of drove home the point of information being the power of just this. knowing just their getting hand. to know what's going on in people's hand and that's definitely got some uses um that are going to put Yasarl ahead of the game but i think the biggest problem with that is um something that bro science phd from the reddit twilight Imperium brought up which is just that it's three tech deep like it's three green tech deep you're gonna have to go really far into your tree to get this and like I don't know. And you've already got so many 
better way or well sorry not better but easier ways to have like an excellent hand of action cards that are already like they have so many ways to prune already like we talked about that extensively that magen implants just kind of seems like another extra thing i do agree though i i don't disagree with robofish um it is a really good way to know what people have yeah i think it's a very useful thing and and bro science also brought up just the fact that like hey this is kind of nice to have as just another action like it, it is it is another exhaustible action that you start all can take so it's another stall thing if we're trying to give them more ways to stall i don't think that has that much impact but i do think that this is a useful tech i just can't say it's like a you got to rush for it and get it as soon as possible i i think um for yeah in situations where like yasaro wants to win the game and they're going to do it in that you know one crazy round where they pull off a bunch of stuff having that tech will be useful to have done the past few rounds um but your opponents are always gaining more cards and so it's like yeah you'll look at it and you can only do this once around so like by the time you've looked at everyone's hands you've fallen away from the the, the first person you looked at has an entirely new hand so it's really only useful to use against like one person and so I, I'm just thinking it's fairly specific. Like, it, it just feels like something that it is very, very good, but it only comes up, like, once in the game. And, yeah, maybe that one time it's what helps you win the game, but I wouldn't say it's, you know, something that's going to constantly be useful for you. I know myself as a player, and I feel that if I have, like, sabotage in my hand or mm-hmm. maybe a couple sabotages, mm-hmm. there's no way I'm also going to be like, oh, and I'm really scared of their hands and i gotta make sure that right i know what they've got and stuff it just it's again it's uh we've used this term a lot and i really like the term uh it's a win more yeah, it's not going to change the tide yes. but um it's just kind of like do you want to be even better at that thing that you're already better right. at okay go for it but i honestly i think your priorities should be elsewhere if you're buying mage and implants you're probably just having a great game anyways yeah i kind of agree uh so the other thing to talk about here is the winu um and the winu there's just so much to talk about with them for so many of us because only a few of us have played the game and those who have played it it just at least so far it feels like the opinions are very divided on whether or not this ability is good i hear a few people say that you know it it actually is very effective um and i i can see why it would be but it's just so hard to 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 see how you would pull it off so a few a few points to kind of specifically uh note blark knob from board game geek uh, wanted us to. S- what did I just say? <laughs> no, no, nothing. I'm sorry. I, Blark Knob, I just laugh at your name. It's uh, funny. Uh, Blark Knob from Board Game Geek says the Winu racial tech, which allows them to flip a planet, can be used to increase the production capacity of Mechatol Rex. And it's sign- funny. I think I think I even talked about in the episode. I was like, they should have an ability that lets them do that, yeah. and they do have that. Um. So the. And Sigma Zero even submitted this as a question to the FAQ that has been kind of being worked on the past few weeks, and he got a confirmation that, like, yes, it definitely, when you use their racial tech hegemonic trade policy on a planet, it also converts that planet's capacity. So there is definitely some value in getting to Mechatol Rex and then having that tech ready to go so that you can, A, you're getting six resources for Mechatol Rex. That's a huge boost to your economy and it kind of makes up for the fact that maybe you have to gun for Mechatorex and so you're missing out on some other expansion and the fact that you're going to be able to build huge fleets here on Mechatorex you know you're going to be able to build eight units on Mechatorex with that that's I mean that's very very good that's a fleet yeah that's a fleet my only issue with it is the tech is about three tech deep 
and um, the timing window is what's difficult for me to understand. Like, if we have to rush, rush, rush for Mechatorex, I don't think we're getting that tech online until round three, maybe two, if we kind of, like, also doubly push for it. But, like, pushing for Mechatorex and pushing for getting this yellow tech is is a lot, especially considering to push to get to Mechatorex, you're going to have to go through blue. So it's going to be a numerous rounds before you have this thing online, and it's going to be good for the late game, but you're still going to have those, like, you're going to have that round or two that's just like, okay, I got to Mechatol Rex, but now I'm very weak, and I'm just, like, way away from my home system, and it just it seems like you can be abused very easily from that position. Also, I don't know if I'm just, like, not warmed up or being, like, a dum-dum right now, but how how do they take Mechatol Rex on turn one? Um, I think this is something we'll talk a lot more about when we get into our round one discussions, but... Jimbo V from Board Game Geek actually laid out a whole slew of like, here's the step by step way to do it. Mm-hmm. The only problem I have with his kind of list is like, yes, you can do it, but like at each step of the of those things, someone can interrupt it, someone could stop you. It's also relying on some luck in some cases, like specifically getting you know the right tech at the right time or having the right resources at the right time. And it's mm-hmm. just like while round one and sometimes round two are fairly predictable. Um, just because everyone's not that close to each other, things can still get in the way very easily. Also, it doesn't take into account like map placement, like just tile placement on the map can really mess up that. But there are definitely ways that they can get to Mechatol Rex round one, but they have to sacrifice a lot and they have to be very lucky. Okay. So I just, it's, it's still is feels up for grabs on whether or not the win strategy is going to have a lot of value. I think there's definitely value in it in that, like, you're going to get a point for taking Mechatol Rex. Hopefully you get at least one point from playing Imperial and owning Mechatol Rex. And Jimbo V also brought up just the, the trade implications could be pretty big. And, um, I, I agree that, you know, having them out there on the map in the middle gives them a lot of incentive to, to trade with all of, you know, everyone on the board. They're, they're Ooh, sitting yeah. right in the middle, and that, that definitely seems like it could have some power. But also, if they're putting themselves out there so heavily, are people going to want to trade with them? And I just think I think there's a lot of metagame to Winu's strategy, and the fact that it's kind of their only strategy is what makes it unfortunate. Yeah, I still stand by that. Yeah. It's myopic. It's uh yeah. It's just like, okay, here's your one thing that you could do. It's too specific. Yeah. Way too specific. Yeah. So that's our errata. It was uh it could have been shorter. I mean we, we stretched that out yeah, about as much did, as I yeah. think we could. But uh <laughs> but we'll we'll call it off there and we'll catch you guys next week. We're gonna do a little bit of trade talking. Yeah. And oh I'm yeah we'll be for trade, trade next. Yeah that that episode will be great. Um so Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Love you, dum-dums. Thank you for listening to Space Cats, Peace Turtles. And thank you to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica. Bellum Gloriosum.